Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, the podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunleavy. Returning once again to the podcast is Rob Dunham. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> that was, there's a lot of enthusiasm and joy in that. I like it. <laughs> I, I gotta say, uh, just a side note, if you are praying people or, you know, um, no people who are, just pray for my daughter. Um, spent in the hospital a lot last week, and uh, as such, haven't had a whole lot of time to do much of anything. So, yes. <laughs> um, priorities. Yes. So, you know, for just sure. hoping, thankful that I can be back here again today, and hopeful that we can move forward with this and figure things out. Yes, and that is that is definitely our hope and prayer going forward for that too. So, so uh, sorry to be all serious at the beginning of the podcast, but it's okay. I'm ready to talk man. about movies now. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do have an excellent movie podcast for you. We're going to, of course, give you, get you caught up on the box office. Uh, we have a couple of discussion items. We're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to break down one of the major categories. In this case, uh, best supporting actor and actress, and. Uh, we will be doing movie recommendations from uh, Paramount and from Amazon Prime. So just to give you some stuff to watch for the remainder of your weekend. And of course, we'll finish out with our watch list. Uh, but let's jump right into the box office update. All right. So third week in a row, Mean Girls tops the box office. Uh, mean Girls pulled in a nice sum of $6.9 million. Not a big week at the box office overall. $6.9 million. Uh, it is up over $60 million in its three-week run. Number two came in, The Beekeeper. Uh, it has uh, been number two for all three weeks it has been out. And it is it did $6.67 million. That's up over 41. Wonka uh, is no, uh, number three at 56 uh, it has been in the box office for seven weeks and is $194 million, which means there is an outside chance that it could get op- over $200 million domestically this weekend, mm. which is uh, quite a haul for, for Wonka. Uh, migration did $4.89 million uh, to cross the $100 million threshold itself. And anyone but you sticking around at number five for like the fourth consecutive week, <laughs> uh, did 4.6 million. It is 71 million domestically. Uh, we talked about this a little bit on last week's podcast. It is well up over a hundred million dollars globally. Uh, it has now become the top grossing comedy since 2016. Might have been mm. to comedy or might have been comedy in general. I can't remember, but yeah, the one of either way impressive top grossing comedy since 2016 either in the romantic variety or in the general variety um that also says a lot about the state of where comedy movies are but that's uh we've talked about that before uh so anything stick out to you from uh the results of the box office this past week uh the thing that um is most interesting to me which you wouldn't see unless you're looking at the actual numbers is like the movies are like 15%, 25%. Like the drop-offs are mm-hmm. exceedingly small. Yes. 
So what's interesting to me, even though there's not a ton of money being generated by the box office, clearly people are still going. Yeah. Um, which I, I was wondering what would happen with that, with the lack of movies that we've got here at the beginning of the year. I know that theaters are doing a whole bunch of different things. Um, we talked about Pixar re-releasing some movies. There have been a bunch of movies that came out earlier in the year that have been re-released that are currently in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife and son actually went and saw Super Mario Brothers today at Regal, and it was $2 a ticket. Yeah. So they're doing all kinds of whatever they can to get people to still come to the movie theater. Uh, plus, they're also um, releasing the Oscar nominees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and box office and there's been lots of uh lots of release slash re-release of those movies as well so they're getting reasonably creative with trying to continue to generate revenue and one of the nice things about it i mean there have been a number of movies that none of these are big movies at this point but there's enough of them that like there's a level of interest in that because they're sticking around a while you get a chance to see more of these movies, whereas a number of them might have gone out of the box office before you got a chance in previous years. So there is some, as long as there's decent content, there's some um, nicety to not having uh, so much turnover in the box office. Yeah, and uh, Wonka's gotten a lot of, uh, I think, word of mouth too Mm -hmm. to get people out to see it. Yeah, anyone but you as well. Both of them yeah. have been very big beneficial uh, beneficial things for word of mouth. Uh, that's pretty much what we got for uh, the box office this week. Now, there's a number of movies coming out this weekend. The biggest release, I would say, is Argyle. That is the uh, Ma- newest Matthew Vaughn movie. Matthew Vaughn, of course, did the uh, Kingsman movies as well. And Argyle is uh, Bryce Dallas Howard is Ellie Conway, the reclusive author of a series of best-selling espionage novels, whose idea of bliss is a night at home with her computer and her cat, Alfie. But when the plot of Ellie's fictional books, which center around secret agent Argyle and his mission to unravel a global spy syndicate, begin to mirror the covert actions of a real-life spy organization, quiet evenings at home become a thing of the past. Uh, So we have Bryce Dallas Howard, we have Sam Rockwell, we have Henry Cavill, John Cena, Dua Lipa, Brian Cranston, Sophie Boutella, I don't don't know how to pronounce her name properly, (laughs) Catherine O'Hara, Samuel L. Jackson, just to name a few. So big cast for Argyle. Uh, the next one we have out is we have okay. uh, the next one we have is fitting in. Now fitting in is. Fitting in as a teenage girl is diagnosed with a reproductive condition that upends her plans to have a sex life, propelling her to explore the unusual methods. So Maddie Ziegler, Emily Hampshire, uh, and a bunch of other ones. 
Uh, this is directed by Molly McGlynn. Uh, the next one we have is Scrambled. This is directed by Leah McKendrick. And it's quintessential eternal bridesmaid Nellie Robinson constantly finds herself between weddings, baby showers, and bad dates. When she begins to feel like the clock is ticking and is faced with bleak romantic prospects, Nellie decides to freeze her eggs, setting her on an empowering journey to a brave new world where she ultimately discovers the one she's been looking for might be herself. Interesting. Uh, starring <laughs> Leah McKendrick, who she is directing and starring in this one. Ego Nawodem, Andrew Santino, Adam Rodriguez. Uh, and then a couple of interesting things. Uh, the Chosen season four is debuting their um, first three episodes of season four in theaters this weekend. And... Um, Another one which we will talk about here is um, Zone of Interest. Now, Zone of Interest is is a, has was released in December, but it only had a very limited initial release, and so it is now debuted at a wider amount of theaters, and now most people can go see it. Uh, this is one of the ones that's up for Best Picture, and I think at least one other Oscar. Uh, so this is directed by Jonathan Glazer. This is an A24 film. Uh, and this is the commandant of Auschwitz, Rudolf Haas, and his wife Hedwig strive to build a dream life for their family in a house and garden next to the camp. Hmm. Uh, so from what I understand, this is uh, this is a pretty powerful movie. Um, now, like I said, it debuted in December. Uh, it's weird for me because ordinarily I would consider this a 2024 movie because I never had the chance to see it, but I'm kind of forced to consider it a 2023 movie because it's up for the awards this year. Um, so that is in theaters now and a much wider release than it was before. Uh, so Rob, what, uh, anything strike your fancy this week? Um, I will be going to see Argyle on Monday. So it's one of my most look forward to movies mm -hmm. coming out. Very interesting story around the authorship of Argyle. Uh, I, I don't think this has been debunked yet, but my friend Val works at a bookstore. And in the book, Argyle, there's no picture of the author. And Taylor Swift's camp has said that she has written a book. And there is a strong rumor out there that Taylor Swift is the person who wrote Argyle. So that would be pretty crazy, interesting, fascinating. <laughs> Um, whether or not that's anywhere close to reality, I don't know, but um, mm. it's it's an interesting story, that's for sure. And <laughs> I something else. And I uh, I love Sam Rockwell, so anything Sam Rockwell's in, I want to go see. Mm -hmm. And Henry Cavill's great too. I just I'm I think this looks like a really good movie. So I've been looking forward to it since I saw the first trailer for it. Matthew Vaughn um, directing it just seems very stylish and uh, looks like it's going to be funny and action and fun so yeah i totally agree um it one thing the plot reminds me quite a bit of stranger than fiction now it's a completely different style of movie but the idea that someone writing something doesn't realize that they're actually writing things in real life that are actually happening is definitely something that uh stranger than fiction did very well 
but this is going to be a very different movie. I, I do like Matthew Vaughn's style. It's kind of in your face a little bit, but it's, it's fun. It's uh, a little bit uh, over the top at times, but I really did enjoy the original Kingsman movie. So I'm, I'm very much interested in going to see that one. And I am also very interested in zone of interest. I was originally possibly going to go see one tonight and it was really going to come down to which showtime was the better match for what time frame I had. But I'm now going to go tomorrow night. So now I'll have to check and see what the showtimes are uh, for that. But I'm very interested in Argyle and Zone of Interest. Uh, very different style movies. One I think I will thoroughly enjoy and have fun with. The other one I don't think I'm going to have fun with, but might be a very well done movie. Um, so I'm curious as to I'm curious to see both of them. I would like to see both of them. We'll see if it happens. Okay. Well, that is the box office. Lots of stuff out there. Lots of stuff for you to go to see. Uh, make sure you hit up the theaters this weekend if you get a chance. Now, for our discussion items. Uh, for each of the next four weeks leading up to the March 10th uh, Academy Awards Oscar presentation, we will be doing a breakdown of each of the major categories. We'll do the four major categories. We'll do best supporting actor, actress. We'll be best director, um, best actor, actress, and best picture. And so we'll be doing that for the next four weeks. We're going to start out with our nomination, with the nominations for best supporting actor and actress. We'll begin by telling you who is actually nominated for these specific ones. And the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. The nominees are Sterling K. Brown from American Fiction, Robert De Niro from Killers of the Flower Moon, Robert Downey Jr. from Oppenheimer, Ryan Gosling from Barbie, and Mark Ruffalo from Poor Things. Uh, so let's start with the actor category. Uh, what do you make of these specific nominees and what do you think the front runners are? So I'm a bit um, at a disadvantage because I haven't seen American Fiction or Poor Things or Killers of the Flower Moon yet. Still working um, on some of those myself. Uh, however, I think it will take something pretty spectacular for me to be convinced that anyone but Robert Downey Jr. should win Yeah, this award. So um, I can't say for certain if that's what it should be until I see some of these others, but um, I was very impressed by his performance, so I think that uh, he should be recognized for that. I also am I am happy to see Ryan Gosling get nominated because I just thought he he portrayed that role better than anyone else possibly could have, and I'm glad he's getting some recognition. I don't think he deserves to win, but I'm glad that he's being recognized for he was completely over the top and that's what that role needed. <laughs> I would find it 100% hilarious if the only Oscar for Barbie went to uh, Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Uh, that would be, that's just be amazingly great. <laughs> 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 it's not going to happen. though. Uh, yeah. I think from, from the buzz we've been hearing, I think Robert Downey Jr. Certainly has the edge 
Robert Downey Jr. won the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor. So that is a little bit up and down. I did some research on how often the Golden Globes correspond with the Oscars. And basically, not that heavily. So it's mm. not, even though those may tend to be the front runner, once you win a Golden Globe, you tend to be the front runner. Um, it may be no more than like 50%, slightly mm. more than 50% of the time that you win a Golden Globe and then go on to win the Academy Award. It's been a yeah, little bit Yeah, there's definitely more, a, a, much, a much stronger link in perception mm-hmm. when it comes to those, without a doubt. Yeah. And part of that is the difference. Like there is a very tight knit group of international journalists that vote on the Golden Globes where there is 7000 people who work within the movie industry that um, vote on the Academy Awards. Very different pool of people, which is one of the reasons you get a decent amount of variation there. Uh, But it can't be ignored if you won the Golden Globe for this. Yeah, I think that I I really do want to try and see these other movies because um, Sterling K. Brown, Robert De Niro, and Mark Ruffalo are all great actors. So I think they're capable of putting out a great performance. I just have not been able to see them yet. Yeah, and I mean, I could make this argument literally every time we talk about this, but the fact that you're like, oh, they're nominated. Now let me go see the movie. And let's see what it's all about is part of the problem here. Um, but I am intending to see most of these, if not all of them. So my take is that this is Robert Downey Jr.'s to lose. And his performance in Oppenheimer was just beyond excellent. And I think um, I think everyone recognizes it and everyone sees it. So I think everyone else is running for second place at this point. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about the Best Supporting Actress. The Oscar uh, nominees are Emily Blunt from Oppenheimer, Danielle Brooks from The Color Purple, America Ferreira from Barbie, Jodie Foster from Nyad, and Devine Joy Randolph in The Holdovers. Uh, what do you think? So... First of all, I want to say that although I thought it was a pretty good performance, Emily Blunt's performance in Oppenheimer to me is not near the top of her performances. And I would argue I don't think it's necessarily worth a nomination for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. I think it was good. Yeah. But I it it I didn't walk away from that movie feeling wowed by her performance like I did with Robert Downey Jr. or Cillian Murphy. Yeah. I mean, and that's part of the problem is realistically, you could say she is the third or even possibly fourth most memorable character in that film. No, Mm that's nothing to the quality of her performance. It's just the movie was full of amazing performances and it would have been hard for her to trump the other performances we saw, given what her role was in the film. Um, I think it's perfectly reasonable to her for her to be one of the nominees, but there, I don't think, yeah, I agree. I don't think she has a chance to actually win the award. Uh, and my thoughts now, I still need to see a couple of these movies, um, the holdovers specifically, mm-hmm. um, because I know that got a lot of buzz. So I'm not sure um, how strong this performance was. You did see the movie. 
Um, so you want to be able to speak to it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but I think if Barbie is going to win a major category, it's going to be this. Mm. Because I think that uh, America Ferrera's performance was very passionate, uh, moving. I thought it was well written. You can argue that um, it was a little over the top at times, but I thought there was a lot of truth in a lot of what was said through her character. And I thought, I think she resonated with a lot of people and connected with a lot of people, mainly down to the uh, mother-daughter dynamic, whether it's a mother-daughter, a father and a son, where you you struggle over time to maintain that connection that you had when they were younger and you were playing with things and then they get older and they're emotional and distant and start to break away from you. And how do you hold that? How do you keep that and balance that with, you know, having to be your own person and be an adult. Yeah. And I think that based on the track record that I've seen from uh, the Academy with how they choose Mm -hmm. winners, uh, I could see, everything it well it's kind of like a very oscar bait um performance really but you know that's why they called him that because they end up winning yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah um tracking with the golden globes on this one uh devine joy randolph did win the golden globe on this one um interestingly enough there are there was an additional nominee uh, they they nominated one more female for this role in the Golden Globes. America Ferrera was not nominated, mm. and her place was Julianne Moore in May December. And also, uh, they added Rosamund Pike in Saltburn to this one. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, for me, it's uh, Devine Joy Randolph. I did see the holdovers, and it was a standout performance. Uh, she was a very memorable character and one that really, really played off of the 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 lead from Paul Giamatti very well, and and those two those two characters really gave the gave great performances. I mean, that was a movie of great performances, but uh, I really enjoyed her performance and thought she was excellent. So. I think she's the one who's probably the most deserving of this one. Yeah, my my opinion might change after I see the movie too. I yeah. see it yet. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I I I think there's a good chance that Devine Joy Randolph wins it, which would be interesting if there's significant crossover this year between Golden Globes and uh, Oscars. That would that would be interesting to see to see what that's the case. Uh, do you got anything else to say about this uh, these supporting actor actress category? I don't, but I'm looking forward to talking about more as we uh, come to the weeks ahead. Yeah, excellent. Uh, so next up in our recommendations, we haven't done this in a while. Uh, it's a new month, and so we thought we'd recommend movies on a couple of the streaming services for you if you're looking for something to watch this weekend. Uh, Rob is going to tackle Paramount Plus, and I will do. I will do uh, Amazon Prime. So, Rob, what do you got? We're going to do five movies a piece. Recommendations for these services. So, the one uh, thing that's nice about Paramount Plus is that, much like uh, Max, it's kind of a vehicle, just like Disney is, um, for movies from certain studios. Obviously, Paramount in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, to release their movie. So you're going to have certain franchises like 
Mission Impossible, etc., yep. um, showing up on Paramount Plus because they're tied to them. Uh, so my first recommendation would be Mission Impossible: uh, Dead Reckoning, not Part One. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't check. Did they? Did they have the title? It's just Dead Reckoning on there. They do. They do. Yep. So uh, if you have not had a chance to see that yet, I recommend it. Um, it was a good movie. I don't think it was a great movie. Um, I I think that in the line of Mission Impossible movies, it's probably in the top half, but it's certainly not like the best action movie ever made, which <laughs> some people have <laughs> actually had advertisements for. Um, a so, person yeah. said it and they are running with that hardcore. Um, yeah, so I don't I don't really know um, who said that or what movies they have watched because they have not watched enough movies if they really think that. Uh, <laughs> my second recommendation, based on something that's out in the theater now, we have the Mean Girls musical and Mean Girls, the original from 2004, mm. starring Lindsay Lohan is on Paramount+. Plus. Um, if you have not had a chance to see that, it's a really good comedy. Uh, it would give you some insight if you are looking to go see the new musical version. Um, behind the humor style and writing from Tina Fey. Um, I think she's a really funny person. And this was really a uh, lightning in a bottle kind of movie. It caught a lot of people's attention when yeah. it came out in 2004. Um, the next one, and this is a podcast reference. So if you have not watched the Gladiator or watched or listened to the Gladiator episodes of the podcast, you need to go back and do that. And then you need to go to Paramount Plus and watch Gladiator because that's where it is. Um Yes. Just a, a great movie, which, you know, was well documented. I had not actually seen it until a couple of years ago <laughs> or a year ago <laughs> when we did this. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I need to sit down and watch it again because this is really good. Yeah. Movie Gladiator with Russell Crowe. Um, probably, probably in like my top 25 movies ever. If I, whenever I sit down and make that list, um, definitely recommend it. Now, the other two I'm going to recommend. I can't necessarily say that I recommend everything about them, but I think they're movies that are worth, you know, spending some time to watch either to watch something funny and cartoony or to watch some nice science fiction that you can kind of turn your brain off and just enjoy in their Paramount properties. So that's why they're here. But you have uh, Sonic the Hedgehog mm. one and two, um, the new versions of that uh, with Jim Carrey. And I can't remember the guy who's voice Sonic now. <laughs> uh yeah that guy um he's funny <laughs> you'll like it uh there was a big controversy when this first came out about the character design for sonic and then they redesigned it and i think they came up with a really cool design for sonic and i would recommend you checking them out if you want to watch something light and funny if you have kids at all um and then the other ones there is a series the new star trek movies are on paramount mm -hmm. plus so star mm -hmm. trek Star Trek Into Darkness and Star Trek Beyond. I think they are varying levels of quality. Um, I think some people really like all of them. I think some people dislike all of them. I think some people are mixed. Um, I think they're overall, I think they're well done. I think they did a good job of updating just the setting of the story. And I thought the people who were involved did justice to the characters, which is a really hard thing to do when there's so much yeah love admiration and lore behind these characters already established for sure because to a lot of people william shatner is the only um captain kirk no one else could ever be him so 
just to even attempt to do that for Chris Pine, I think was pretty impressive. I think maybe even uh, harder would be Zachary Cantone playing Spock because that's just such an iconic character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought I thought they did overall a, a decent job. I enjoyed the stories they told, and we've been in limbo kind of now about if they're ever going to tell any more. Yeah. So until they you know make up their mind, you can watch those three on Paramount Plus. Yeah, and I I will I will second that as a lifelong Star Trek fan, I thought they were they were pretty well done, uh, especially the first one. And I would I would I would even go to bat for the second one in terms of the quality on that one. But the way they the way they made that the flip and the switch um, in the first Star Trek uh, really really was cool and unique way of doing things. Uh so for Prime, here's here's a few that you can watch on Prime. One of them that I will recommend is Finding Forrester. Finding mm. Forrester is uh, if you like if you like character dramas, uh, Finding Forrester is definitely one for you. It's about a a high school kid in the Bronx uh, who is a basketball star at a prep school. And uh, he has the secret talent for writing, and he happens to stumble upon this reclusive uh, guy who turns out to be a famous writer played by Sean Connery. And so Sean Connery, this uh, famous reclusive writer, then mentors uh, this kid in life and in uh, his writing. And so it's just really unique, unusual friendship between... uh, uh, old Sean Connery and a uh, a Bronx basketball high school kid. So it's it's a cool story. It's uh there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting character moments. It's well done. I would say there are moments that that uh, the pacing is a little bit slow, but if you like character dramas, it's definitely should be on your list. Uh, another one I would recommend Memento. If you have not seen Memento, is one is his early Christopher Nolan. It was probably the one that really garnered him the attention that got him some of his later roles. This is like low budget Christopher Nolan, and it's it's him at his uh, messing around with timelines. Best, um, it's it's a really fascinating story. We've talked about it a number of times on the podcast. But if you have not taken the time to go see Memento, definitely do it. Yeah, it's it's low budget, but it establishes all the hallmarks of his future style very clearly. Um, in fact, I remember when I first saw The Prestige, I, my my reaction, one of my initial reactions was, this is a high budget Memento. Like, it's just, <laughs> this. it's the same kind of storytelling style, just for a more, just for a broader audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really well done. Um, now I'll give you one that if you want to just have, just have a fun movie to watch, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Mm. Mr. and Mrs. Smith with, uh, uh, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. This was like, like early in their, in their relationship or like maybe even the cause of their relationship. (laughs) Remember my timeline back appropriately, but it's just, it's a really fun movie, uh, action, romantic comedy drama, this husband and wife team live in this stale marriage and then they 
through a series of incidents, both uh, realize that they are spies for rival organizations and then uh, sort of try to kill each other and then uh, work together to try and destroy both of their spy agencies. So it's, it's a fun, there's lots of action. There's lots of uh, good romantic moments and comedy in there. It's, it's just a quality movie to just a fun movie night movie. Yeah. And interestingly enough, Amazon is uh, redoing this as a series with Donald Glover, yes. which is just coming out. So, mm-hmm. so it's a good time to check it out. If you might have interest in the series that's coming out now on a completely different note, if you're into uh, more indie uh, stylistic movies. Uh, the Green Knight is on Amazon Prime. This is one that came out a couple of years ago, A24. So if you're familiar with A24, you know there's going to be some unusual elements in it. Uh, it's a really interesting, fascinating Tory story, uh, really gripping cinematography and and acting and and you're just kind of unsettled by it at times it's it's about a uh, a lesser known knight in in the court of king arthur and he goes on this quest and he he is a lesser character uh type of guy and he ends up going on this quest and it takes you to some very very interesting places um so it's a highly unusual movie, but it's really good and it's really well done. So if you like different movies, then The Green Knight is definitely one to check out. Have you seen this one? I still haven't had a chance to see it yet. Okay. So I need to okay. that. Yeah. Uh, and the last one is Asteroid City. Uh, Wes Anderson got to throw in a Wes Anderson movie. It was his latest movie and really high quality movie. We've recommended it uh, several times, especially when it came out in theaters but um, one of one of his most interesting character trails, I think there's there's more emotion and more poignance in this one than there is in a number of his other films. There's just like there feels like there's a different emotional weight to Asteroid City than there is to um, others that he has put out. And I wonder if that's some of his evolution as a filmmaker that we see, despite the fact that, you know, it's very Wes Anderson. Mm hmm. So Asteroid City, if you have not gotten a chance to check it out. All right, that's our recommendations. So hopefully you'll get a chance to watch something. Uh, if you do watch one of these movies, let us know what you think about it. We'd love to uh, hear your feedback on it. Now, uh, we will conclude with our watch list, movies that we've watched over the past week. Rob, did you get a chance to watch it? So it's been a couple weeks. Um since I've said what I've watched. So I'm kind of going through the Marvel cinematic universe, the first phase again. Okay. So I have watched, uh, let's see, I've watched Iron Man, Iron Man two Thor, and I'm currently on the Avengers. Nice. I'm kind of going through them in release order. I debated if I should go. Oh, I also watched Captain America, the first Avenger. I'm kind of torn between going in timeline order or release mm. order. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I also watched uh, um, Captain Marvel. So I've watched several of them. <laughs> um, it, what's cool about these movies is there's so much in them that even watching them, I think the Avengers I've probably seen at least a dozen times, probably. Mm. And 
there's still stuff that I'm like, oh yeah, that happened in the movie. I don't remember that. Um, so I think it's a good thing to go back and watch through these every once in a while if you are a fan of them. Um, and I also watched uh, Godzilla minus one minus color. Ah, okay. Which so was really that. cool, even yeah. if it had a stupid name. <laughs> <laughs> What's what, one very interesting thing about this is it's a black and white version of the movie Godzilla minus one, which came out last year. Um, and the people who who were behind the creation of the movie said that they went through this really like painstaking process with this. It wasn't just removing color. It was they like re did, redid the palette on some shots. They changed lighting on certain things just uh, digitally um, to try and make it feel just a little bit different. And one of the things they said was that in the black and white version, Godzilla, the creature was more scary. Hmm. And so I was very interested to see what that would look like. And I agree with them. I, I don't know if it was just um, the first time Godzilla shows up in the movie is night. And I think there might be something to the fact that it's mostly black around him, that it adds to the uh, terror factor when mm. it's in black and white. Um, because it's a little more nebulous or a little more, you're not sure what's going on, where he is, what he's going to do. And I think the character just looks scarier in black and white. I don't really know what it was about it necessarily, but um, I, I would agree with the filmmakers that it changed the tone of the movie just slightly. Interesting. Um, and made it a little scarier. Yeah. Um, I like both versions of the movie. Um, I'd recommend watching either. Uh, it's very interesting for me. There have been a few movies recently that I've enjoyed the black and white versions better probably than the colored versions, which would be, uh, Mad Max Fury Road Black and Chrome Edition, uh, Nightmare Alley. I highly preferred the black and white version of that mm -hmm. one, which was a re-release uh, version. And then this one, too. I think I like the black and white version more. So maybe I just like black and white. <laughs> <laughs> what would be interesting is, because almost always you see them in that order. You see them color and then you see them black and white. What would be really interesting is to, for one of these times, to have that flipped. Yeah, you see the black and white version first, then you see the color version, and see if that that trend still holds. Yeah, because I or wonder it, if order like, has something. Do I like the it. black and white version more because it's the newest thing I saw, and it's different, you know? Or simply because, like, the natural inclination when you watch something again is you pick up more things. If you're picking up mm -hmm. more things and getting new sensory input, I can imagine that would be hard to resist. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if there's I wonder if there's any cases that we could do a test study on that. Yeah, we'd have to find a movie that we haven't seen that's released multiple versions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that could be that could be a project for later down the road. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um for me this week, I of course I will I will get the 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 easy ones out of the way since uh it was February 2nd recently here. I had to watch Groundhog Day. Mm. Still one of my absolute favorite movies. Still think it's one of the greatest character arcs and character narrative studies in film. And I'm not joking about that. It is incredible, incredible character development. Uh, so I watched that again, as I do every February 2nd. I also, uh, for the first time in a long time, I watched The Island 
uh, the 2005 mm. Michael Bay movie with Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Johansson. I remember seeing it in theaters and it was like, it was like classic Michael Bay action, like late 2000s action movie. Um, I what, The one thing that really jumped out at me when I rewatched it here was uh, the kind of almost overexposed light tones he used in this one. It was really kind of fascinating. Um, and it was really just like, kicks you right in the face with with the uh the brightness and the color that he uses uh also there is ridiculous amounts of over-the-top action <laughs> as as michael bay is what a shock <laughs> i know exactly uh but i do still enjoy the film just from a you know like a fun turn your brain off and watch movie there w- there could have been room for them to do something far more philosophical with it but they didn't. <laughs> and so uh, it really, it does involve around like people who uh, it involves around clones and the clones are used specifically uh, as basically disposable spare parts. And so there, there, there could have been like a major philosophical element to this. And there really just wasn't, uh, but I still enjoyed the film. And the big one for me this week was I did get to see anatomy of a fall. And that is one of the ones nominated for best picture, best director. I think maybe an actor award, like some some other award in there. And this is uh this is a foreign language film, correct? Sort of. Okay. I, I can, I'll get into that in a second here. Uh, this one I was really intrigued with when it came out in theaters, but I did I just did not get a chance to see it, and so I went and made sure I I got to see it this week, and it is a French film. Uh, but the main character is a the main character is a German who then moved German who her and her husband lived in London and then moved to Paris or moved to not Paris moved to France and he is French mm. and so the language thing is actually part of the whole plot of the story. Mm. And that she does, she speaks some French, but she doesn't speak like tremendous amount of French. So half the movie is in French and half the movie is in English. Hmm. And so it's not a full like French film. It's like she doesn't, there's times where she doesn't speak enough French. And so they speak English at home. She speaks French to other people. Uh, it's, it's a really interesting film, but this movie was excellent. It was really, really good. Um, this was one I wanted to do before I finally I finally published my year end list, uh, but it was a fantastic movie. It's basically um, the father early in the movie. The father uh, is found dead from a fall out of their house, and the movie is all about the fallout of that incident. The mother and the family ends up on trial uh, for his death. And they have a son in the house. And so the story is talking about how this incident is affecting each one of them. Uh, so it's an incredible, it's an incredible story, incredible character drama. So partly it plays out like a character drama. Partly it plays out like a courtroom uh, drama. But the mixture of that is really, really good and really interesting. It explores the idea of of perspective perspective 
uh, like if you were to take a snapshot of a marriage and then look at that snapshot from different people's perspective and with different narrations, narratives competing to decide what all this means. That's what this movie does. Hmm. Uh, really fascinating exploration of perspective and of marriage, of how uh, those dynamics impact each other. And really interesting cinematography choices. There's one point where uh, the mother is speaking about something that happened in their marriage and they're showing it. The camera is shown from basically the shoulder of the son who's sitting in the stands. And you kind of like see like a little bit of his silhouette next to the, the mm. shot. It's really, it's really interesting. So there's some really interesting deliberate cinematography choices, uh, but excellent, excellent movie. Um, it It's going to be in my top three for the year, but definitely a worth see. Nice. All right, that is the show, everyone. Thanks for checking out Film for Fans. Make sure you check out filmforfans.com. We're going to have some good content up here. I'm going to try and publish the uh, the list of 2014 movies that we talked about on last week's podcast, as well as possibly our recommendations for this one. Stay tuned for more content from the Oscars and more fun content as well. Tell your friends and like the podcast and all that good stuff. Until next time, enjoy the movies.